right. I think I've met everyone. Yes. Rachel, if I have not, or if you forgot my name so you don't have to ask me later and it's awkward. <laughs> um, I hope you're finding the last few weeks thought-provoking. Um, I haven't heard message yet. Um, oh, it's a cord. I haven't listened to Karen's message yet, so I'm really looking forward to it. I've heard awesome things about it. Um, Karen and I are doing like a swaps, so he's done what I did last week and I'm doing what he is this week. Um, but I think it's a really great series. I'm really excited by it. So freedom in obedience. Um, I've been thinking a lot over the last few weeks um, just about uh, – what did I write? I wrote it the wrong way this morning, so I should read it um, – that the gospel message is actually quite exclusive in a way. So just bear with me. Um, Jesus is very inclusive in his call and so he's inviting everyone to come. He's inviting old, young, rich, poor. Every person is invited no matter who they are. But it's quite difficult and to make that choice and we know that salvation is actually only exclusively offered to those who choose to follow him. And it's that thought of that picture we see of Jesus um, talking about that narrow road in Matthew 7 where some will choose, majority will choose the wide road that leads to destruction but few choose the narrow road that leads to life. And I think that that's a really great, I was just thinking about that and thinking about being obedient is that narrow road that leads to, leads to life. And thinking about obedience as life, so we don't have this tick box of right and wrong, so obedience is right, disobedience is wrong, if we think about it in terms of like obedience brings life, disobedience brings death, I think that can help us to really see how serious it is but also how much of a rich gift it is that we can receive the most amazing freedom that we can ever have and it's eternal. And so I've, yeah, I'm really excited about this series. There's some um, really interesting topics coming up. Um, so you can look forward to those just like I am. Um, so we're going to journey through um, today talking about treasures. Um, I had a video that I showed last week, but I might just explain it to you today, partly because I was too lazy to get Naomi to put it up. And also I thought it might be good if people are listening later on. So you might have seen the video of, it's very old, Francis Chan has an, a, a picture or a little um, illustration. So he has a very long rope. And so you can imagine if I was holding a rope, the end of a rope, and it's long, 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 like I guess you could imagine the longest rope you can buy. I have no idea what those are. And he picked it up and so I guess if you look at the cord, he's got like maybe 10 centimetres, actually probably not that much, probably five centimetres and he's coloured it in red on the white rope and he's said, sorry? And he says, imagine that this rope is all of our existence. So from when we are created and then it extends for eternity and the rope just keeps going. Now the rope doesn't keep going because it's a rope but we can imagine that it just continues on forever. And he's saying this tiny little five centimetre red piece of rope is our existence here on earth. It is so small and it is so short. And the challenge he said or what he said was it's just so concerning how many people spend so much of their time and so much of their effort putting um, all their energy into things that once we get past that tiny bit of red, they're gone. They mean nothing. Um, and so I think that illustration is great. I'll post it on LifeCom with this chat so maybe you can watch it at LifeCom. But the point is, are we spending 
all of our time here on earth sowing into things that are eternal or are we sowing into things that are temporary? And so that's kind of the thought running through this message today. Um, So temporary things that will disappear that you cannot take into eternity with you or things that are eternal that have like eternal value. Um, I should not say um. Uh, uh, In the West, uh, I think that we've really had a large trap of valuing temporary things, so things that lead to death uh, often. So if we're postured towards these money, possessions, uh, we will miss sowing into things of eternity. I think that the West values our career. So a lot of people, even if we might not personally value that ourselves, culturally we're around people that value that and it's really important. And so often people will ask about our job and be very interested to tell us where they are, especially their public service level, which I still have no idea about the numbers. And they're interested to tell me that. And they're interested to talk about their house that they've just purchased and how much it costs and the cars that they own. I think that we are taught to, to save at school. We're often taught to save our money. What does it look like to be a good investor? We're not often taught to give outside of the church maybe, maybe in the church. Uh, it's assumed by everyone that we'll have a full-time job at minimum. Maybe if you are a mother with small children, you'll be excused and you can stay home. But other than that, most people would assume that you would work full-time. And so that's really valued work for money. I think we value or we look at people who maybe are not going so well and we make judgments on them subconsciously and think, oh, if they just made some better decisions in life, they wouldn't have ended up where they are. And so we put where they are at back on the choices that they've made. Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they didn't do enough study at school. And so I think we need to really be thinking, is this what we're towards? Is this what Jesus teaches us? And where are we posturing our hearts? Are we posturing our hearts towards what the world is asking us to posture towards, all these things, these treasures that the world values? Or are we posturing our heart towards Christ? And so we are looking at a scripture, just three verses in Matthew chapter 6. And it's from verse 19. I will read it out for you, but you can follow along. I'm sure you will know it when I read. And so Jesus is saying, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So immediately when I read that, thought that comes in is money, 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 money. And then I'm thinking of possessions, I'm thinking of houses. And as I sat and I thought a little bit more, some other things popped into my head. So people often will have treasures in their careers. So it might not be the actual money, but it's the status of this is what, what my job is, this is what I do. People may build up and build up and build up their hobbies and that's a treasure that they really have. They spend hours pouring into that. People may spend inordinate amounts of time on their health and fitness beyond what is healthy. Um, And so I think that some of these things can also be treasures that we can store up. And I think that Jesus makes it really clear in this passage that we 
are to store up treasures that have eternal value, not treasures that will fade and to be destroyed, things that will bring life and not death. And so I've got a few questions just for us to be thinking about tonight. I've been quite challenged. I feel like I'm preaching on money again. I have been thinking about it a lot the last month. Maybe it's a challenge for me, but it's a challenging topic and I think it's money can always be tricky. It's a big temptation. It's a temptation the more money you have, the bigger temptation it is, I think. Maybe not. But I think that one day you can think, yep, yeah, I feel like I've got that under control and the next day it's another, it's tempting again. And so it's good to just remind ourselves over and over again, where are we posturing ourselves? Where are we posturing our heart? So the first question I wanted to think about tonight is are we storing up more for this life or for the next? So exactly what we've been talking about. Um, I'm a school teacher, as you all probably already know, and I teach very young children this year. And very young children are very funny (laughs) quite often. And very young children are also very much like adults. They are just less fancy with their words and they're they're more blunt. And so I have noticed over the years working with young children that they have a very high sense of justice for themselves a very low sense of mercy for others in general and so please I didn't mean to do that I didn't mean to I didn't mean to but as soon as someone else does the wrong thing it's pointing them out straight to me straight away and so I think that it's so funny when you see it It can be a bit frustrating but it's it's quite funny but as adults we do the same thing in a way we have blind spots for ourselves all the time we don't see the struggles that we have in certain areas because they're blind spots to us. And I think for a lot of us and even for myself, things around money and possessions and treasures really can be a trap. And so it's really hard but it's important to uh, think about it and to be questioning and asking God to give us soft hearts Because sometimes we're not going to be able to see our blind spots, but the Holy Spirit can show those to us and show us what they are and also to posture ourselves in community, in a place where we're willing to have people speak in and we don't get offended when someone lovingly comes up and says, hey, how are you doing in this area? I've noticed this. And so these statements also might help. I feel like some of these statements have helped me. And I'll just flesh them out a bit, or questions they are. So do we spend more time thinking about things of eternity or do we spend more time thinking about work? And I guess I'm not saying at work you can't think about work. Of course, you need to concentrate on work. But even outside of work, are you thinking about work constantly? Are you talking about work constantly? Is your conversation with other people always about work or is it about eternal things? Uh, Linda at North is awesome in her conversation and when she asks questions, she says, what's something that God's been speaking to you about this week? Or even in a conversation that somebody's talking about the work, she says, where's God working at your workplace? And I think there are ways that we can talk about the things that we're doing throughout the week, but do we talk about these things with eternity in mind? Are we seeking to see where God can work in those areas? Do we use the first or the best portions of our energy and time investing into eternal things or do we spend the best portions of our time investing into earthly things? I think this is a big one for a lot of us in Canberra, probably a lot of us in the West. I think we are so busy and we are so tired all the time and we have a list of things that we need to do 
We have expectations that need to be met. Maybe there are own expectations that we get to the end of a day and we're too tired to do X or we're too tired to go to LifeCom. We're too tired to read the Bible or to pray or we are too tired to do it for a season and get out of the habit of doing so. I think, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. I think that often we will prioritise other things without consciously thinking, right, my priority is these things tomorrow. I want to make sure I can spend some time praying. I need to catch up with this person and I need to be at City PM at 10 to 6. And so we can prioritise those and give God our best energy and make sure that we have time to get to those. Maybe we don't stay up and watch a movie till 3am. So then we're not late to our catch up with our friend the next morning. And I also understand there are seasons. It's exam week and so I guess that a lot of people are busy. And I think that is fine for a season. But it becomes a problem when that becomes our everyday. Do we set worldly goals of home ownership, holidays or just purchasing things without talking to the Holy Spirit and letting him lead us in those without asking people to pray for us? There's nothing wrong with owning a home. There's nothing wrong with going on a holiday and there's nothing wrong with owning a car. But there is a problem when we are just doing those things and prioritising those things and not asking the Holy Spirit to help us. Is this something that you want for me now? Is this something that you want for me at all? And it's very tricky to discern God's voice when it's something that we desire. And so I'd really encourage you to be sharing with your life com, hey, I'm really considering like buying this house. Could you guys pray for me? Or I'm considering making a big um, career move. Can you pray for me? I'm really not sure which way to go. And that's where community is really helpful. Are we willing to share our possessions or our money with others without grumbling or holding it back for ourselves? I'll share a really quick story because it's beautiful. Uh, Jess at Queanbeyan is so artistic and she has made um, some beautiful ceramic things, lots of things. She has the thing that I'm thinking of was a beautiful ceramic mug and it was glazed and it was lovely. And so we were at her house one day and Scott from Queanbeyan said, Jess, I love your mug. This is beautiful. You're so talented. And she said, oh, Scott, you can have it. It's yours. And she just, I just loved the response of thinking, you know what, this is, I can give it to you. Whatever's mine is actually not mine. It's on loan for me to be, able to, to be able to use to bless others. And so it doesn't mean that we have to give everything that we have to other people immediately, but do we have that attitude of will, being willing to give to others instead of hoarding it for ourselves? So that's sort of thinking, up, are we storing up more for here or for later? Question two, what does storing up treasures on this life look like? So I think we've talked a little bit about what the treasures might be. What does it look like? So Jesus says in that passage that we shouldn't store up treasures on earth that can be stolen or that can be destroyed. So it's helpful to think about what these might be so we can guard against them. So if something's not going to make it into eternity or have any eternal value, it's probably something that can be destroyed or stolen. So maybe you find yourself storing up some of these things. Maybe you work, work too much. Maybe you're aiming for this house that you want to buy in Red Hill. It's very expensive. <laughs> maybe you have a car that you've got your eye on. Maybe you 
are wanting a perfect home, not a massive home, but it has to be perfect in a certain way. Maybe you're trying to build up a nest egg, which maybe a lot of us are not. I don't know. It's a long way away. (laughs) And I think none of this is necessarily... The things are not bad. I think someone got confused about this this morning. It's our heart posture. Is this what we're postured towards? Is our whole life postured towards that thing? Or is the is it more taking up more of our time than other things? Where are we putting all of our energy and effort? And so it's helpful in messages to think, why? Why am I doing this? Often we know we are thinking about what, what do we do? What should we not do? How do I obey? But sometimes it's helpful to think, why? Why do I have a heart posture for these things? Why am I actually really wanting to have a really big savings account? Why do I really want to have a really great career? And so it's helpful to go to scripture and remind ourselves of truth. So maybe, I was just thinking of some brainstorming, maybe we feel worried about our future and we want to make sure we're secure. I've heard that a lot. Just want security. Just want security for my family and my kids. Um, I'm going to rebut this with some scripture. So Jesus says in Matthew 6, paraphrased, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is life not more, is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Um, I know a lot of us feel fearful about what other people will think of us. We are trying to please people we want to have a really great reputation um and luke says in acts 5 we must obey god rather than human beings and so even if we feel fearful we know that we must not be doing things to please humans but to be pleasing god i know this is a big one for certain professions because there's a lot of pressure on the health profession i've talked to some nurses and they really feel pressure from their boss at work to take extra shifts or just to work longer because we don't have the staff. And so they say yes because who else is going to care for people? But at that expense comes definitely not my best energy for God and definitely no time to do things that have eternal value that I want to prioritise. And so to encourage you, Paul does say in Colossians, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not man. So whether you do work or whether you don't work, we actually should be making those decisions to please God, not to be pleasing the people at work. Maybe we desire that people like us and see us as successful. I know that sometimes we see ourselves differently and we want people not to see us as a failure. In First Thessalonians, Paul says, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. And so I'd encourage you that it's really difficult sometimes to work out why we posture ourselves towards certain things. I feel the best <laughs> uh, prayer to pray is like David prayed, search my heart, God, and sit and let the Holy Spirit minister to you and share with you why. Why are we posturing ourselves towards these earthly treasures? And then look in Scripture and remind yourselves of God's truth. I think this is a good reminder for me. We, we really must not choose. There's a choice. I think this is difficult for people to know that this is a choice. We need to choose not to work excessive hours at work that are unnecessary. There are people that may have a season where they actually have no choice, but that's often the exception. It's not the rule. There are people in this room that don't work full time because they've taken the, made the decision that, you know what, 
I don't need to earn that much money. I can sacrifice some hours or some days. And yeah, it is a cost because maybe you won't be able to buy that car or maybe you won't be able to rent that house. But it's a choice that we make and it's maybe something to consider. Do we have to work as much as we do? We need to make sure that we're in place for most of the week in a place where we can invest into eternal things. Some people have a great opportunity at their workplace and they can use it for a, as a platform for ministry. We can all use the opportunities we have, but some people really feel that they're called to their ministry, their workplace, and that's awesome. And so if that is you, I encourage you to, to work in that area ministry-wise. Spend time praying for your colleagues intentionally. Invite them after hours. Spend time with them of your work. A lot of people say their workplace is their ministry, but they have never eaten a meal with their colleagues outside of their work. Maybe to prioritise uh, heavenly, eternal things, we need to get off our phones, off social media. I know that it's just a big time waster. It's not really offensive for me to say that to you. I think we all agree that social media is just wastes time. Maybe we need to put some limits in place. I think that we've put limits in place and we recant on them and so we just need to keep continuing to remind each other, hey, it's 8 o'clock, put your phone away and so that we know that that time actually doesn't need to be stolen up by something that's actually completely pointless. Um, And sometimes I've known that it's helpful. My, My statement was we must not be possessive of what we own. Maybe it's helpful for you to be giving away a gift of money for others. Um, David Platt in his book, it's a very challenging book. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Is it called Radical, I think? He's, it's, if you want to be challenged, read that. If you don't, don't read it because it's 100 times more challenging than our series. And so he challenges people that to break the habit of feeling like money is almost mastering you or it's got a hold on you that you should give a large sum of money. Pray, ask God where that might be and if you feel to give or you choose to give and you ask God where to give that and it can kind of break the habit. Maybe that's something you can consider. My third question is how can we invest in the eternal and those things that bring life? So we said are we storing up more for the eternal or the um, temporary? Why do we store up so much for the temporary and now what should we do to store up for the eternal? How do we do that? How do we... So into the things that bring life. So in this verse that we read in Matthew 7, Jesus says that where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. And I feel like it's this bit of a spiral, so it's like a little bit of a loop. So if our heart is postured towards Christ, our treasure is found in Christ. And if our treasure is found in Christ, our heart's postured towards him. And so it's a bit of a catch-22. Where are we posturing our heart? Because I think we were talking about it the other day. Oh, what about if we don't feel like we're all in for Jesus, what's the answer to that? What's the answer to be all in for him? And I think it comes back to that surrender and that question that David asked, search my heart, God, and sitting with the Holy Spirit, letting him minister to you. Uh, so we're going to look just for this last one at First Peter chapter 4. I think it's just a good um, chunk of scripture. It's got some... Great instructions for us as we think about how do we sow into the eternal. 
So verse 1 says, I'll read it, you can follow along if you like, or you can listen to me. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. And so I think that just goes back to that. Obeying God brings life. And we know that it's not easy at times. We have that constant pull of our flesh wanting us to be focusing on things that bring death. In verse 7 it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. I love this verse. I love thinking about um, prayer. (laughs) Fun. Uh, This is... This is great. I feel like I'm in a different church with like uh, – we should – so we should be giving the best of our mind to God. I talked about giving the best of our energy to God but also we want to make sure that we give the best of our mind to God, not being so stressed with things that are going on, not being so overburdened or overworked that we actually have no time to pray because we're so tired. Our brain is mush. By the time we get to 1 p.m. in the afternoon, we are done. We've checked out. We go home. We're on our social media because we don't have to think, and then we're done for the day. And so actually our mind, we don't actually don't have a sober mind. Our mind is consumed by stress and busyness and other things that are not helpful. And so I think we need to make sure that we prioritise time every day for intentional prayer. That's not mind-breaking. I think we all know that we should do that. And I think the second thought, though, this I, I love this thought, and it's scriptural, we're to pray continually, to be walking and moving with God through our day and being able to commune and talk with him as we go. Um, There is a surgeon in the US called Mark Poole. I feel like this must be a thing in the US that's more common, but he uh, is a a believer and a follower of Jesus and he prays through every surgery, uh, sorry, he prays before every surgery for his patients and for the, the operation. He also asks the patient, would you like me to pray with you? And he said most of the time they say yes. So I don't know if that's because I'm about to have their life in my hands literally and they think, yes, I should just do that. But they often will pray together. But the thing that I love is that he prays throughout his surgery. He said he's thinking about as as he's operating, he's saying, God, guide my hand, help me to make wise choices, help me to cut where I need to, things like that. And I think if obviously in a high stressful situation, he's concentrating so much. It is, I'm assuming, taking up all of his... Um, concentration all of his willpower and brain power to stay focused on that task for dozens of hours at times me in my lolly job with children can learn to walk and talk with God as I go and so I think that's a really big encouragement to be making sure I've got space in my mind to be able to pray with God as I go not becoming so stressed and focused on the task and it's a learned habit it's learned to to do that just like we learn to walk and talk with other people or commune with other people it's a learned habit to do that and so start practicing today Um, in verse 9 in Matthew uh, Peter first Peter 4 says offer hospitality to one another without grumbling each of you should use whatever you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms so I talked a little bit this morning a bit more about gifts the things that we have those treasures are actually gifts we need to not look at them as treasures but as gifts that pass through us and we can then use them to serve others. 
And so if we're able to think of our money, our house, our car, even our career as things that we're given from God as a gift and it's like a platform or a gift that we can use to serve others. They're not ours to own. We have them on loan. Um, I think we find it easier to serve others if we don't hold them close to our heart. And so I think especially hospitality is a bit of a lost art in our culture. Not many people, um, unfortunately, practice hospitality anymore. And so I think as Christians, we have a really clear call to be hospitable, um, to be welcoming and to open our homes. And not just our homes, hospitality is also opening your life to people, but being able to serve people in that way. Um, I know some people have said to me, but I don't, I don't own my home. I don't have a home. That's okay. Like you can still show hospitality in other ways. Maybe you can go and go for a walk and you can bring something to serve the person. Maybe you can bring food. Food is great. Hospitality uh, allows us to share food with others. And I think when we're around people with food, we feel relaxed. But I think there really is something special about opening up your home to someone. Your home is where you're vulnerable. It's where you're yourself. It's where this is just who I am. We don't hide who we are in our own home. And when we open and invite people in, it gives them permission to come into our life. It says, I'm open for you to come and ask me questions to be part of who I am when I'm at my most natural. And so, yeah, I'll just really encourage you to use whatever home you have for that purpose, to serve others in that way. Um, Yeah, our home is often um, used by other people. I love um, people coming in and just going straight to the kettle, turning the kettle on, not asking, just going and doing it. I actually love it. I love it when people are so comfortable that they just come in without knocking. Obviously, that's a bit disconcerting when it's like 10.30 at night. But if I know people like, oh, I'm hopping around and they just come in, I love that. Um, and so I think that if we can start thinking of our home as more open as opposed to it's just me, that's going to be helpful. Um, I'm going to finish off by just reading a conversation from Matthew 19 between Jesus and the rich man. So I think we can all relate to the rich man possibly. We're all probably rich that we live here. Um, So this rich young ruler in Matthew 19 had done everything to keep the commandments. So if we're thinking about right and wrong, he is right, ticking off all the boxes, following all the rules. So some people are rules people and they love rules. Well, he was a big rules person and he loved following the rules. But I actually find it very interesting that he came to Jesus and his question wasn't, about what rules I'm not following. He actually said, what am I lacking? What else am I not doing? So obviously there was something missing. He wasn't feeling fulfilled just by following the rules. And this is what Jesus answered in verse 21. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And so this makes this, I feel like this is probably one of the most challenging verses. He went away sad because he was so wealthy. He wasn't willing to give up everything. He wasn't willing to be all in for Jesus. He's missed the most important part, which is being postured towards him. So even the disciples were challenged by this. They asked later on, oh, um, how can any of us be saved if this is what you're asking? And really when we dig into it, Jesus is asking about the heart, this person had had a lot of money. His heart was postured towards his wealth. Was he willing to give up 
what Jesus, like the most important thing to him, which was his wealth. Um, and so I guess that's really the heart of my message. Jesus calls us not to store up treasures on earth. And I think that it's easy to wash down the message and say, Jesus doesn't mean that, he just means to follow him. Or it's easy to go the other way and say, well, Jesus is telling us to give everything away, give all your money away. I don't think that it's actually either of those two things. I think that the message that Jesus is actually sharing in, um, what was it, Matthew 6, about uh, storing up your treasures in, uh, on earth is actually really about are we all in for Christ or is there things that we are building up here on earth that are temporary and that will lead to death or are pointless or are wasting our time? Are we willing to give those things up? Because we must. We must be willing to give them up. We must be willing to give them to Christ and let him do with them what he will. He may take them away from us. He may say, thank you for having those on your outstretched hand and offering to me those to me. This is how I want you to use them to serve others. And it's all about how are we posturing our heart? Are we having those there, holding them with an open hand or are we grasping them close to ourselves? And it hurts. We have to be willing to obey God even when it hurts and when it costs us. So I will pray briefly. Um, at LifeCom this week, I would encourage – actually, I would encourage you. I would like you and I would like LifeComs to um, share, let, maybe just 10 minutes allow space, just to share something that you feel today you have been – the Holy Spirit has brought to you to light for you that you have felt convicted on. And not just to say, oh, yeah, it was really challenging this and then that's it. Because we know that Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey. So obedience is actually a doing word. And so obeying is not understanding it in our head and doing a Bible study about it and then going the next day and thinking I am now much richer, for a better word, in my knowledge of this. It is actually about putting into action something. And so maybe you can spend the next few days before life come praying, asking God to help you know what is something that you need me to put into action. And then if we share at life come, we know that we can hold each other accountable, which is what community is for. Um, I will pray. Lord God, thank you that your word cuts and pierces our hearts at times. We know it is good for us. And even when it is difficult, we know that you are conforming us more to be like you and making us to be um, more kind and more gracious and more merciful, just like you are, Jesus. Um, we thank you that you walk with us, that we aren't called to just walk and obey as a right and wrong, but, Lord, obeying you brings life. And, Holy Spirit, we know that you lead us there, and so we thank you for that. We pray as we go out, Lord, that we would continue to talk with you and commune with you and walk with you throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen.